Well, good morning, church. Can we give the Lord a real good hand this morning? Amen, because he's so good to us. And then find somebody that you didn't ride here with, lock eyes with them and tell them, say, I'm so glad to see you at church today. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here. We are in week two of our greater series. It's going to lead us into our Good Friday night of worship and into our Easter Sunday family experience. This is the easiest yes that you will get all year long when you invite somebody to church. If they're not already going somewhere, if they're not already committed to a house of worship, it's going to be so easy for you to get a yes from somebody to come to church. So how many out here got your little card? Anybody get a card when you came in? Okay. So I want to encourage you this week, take this card with you, buy somebody a coffee, pay for somebody behind you in a drive-thru, whatever you, nice gesture you can do for somebody and say, hey, you're invited. Somebody say, you're invited. invited. All right, see how easy that was? All right, so we do want to invite people to come out. I am looking forward to what God has for us. So uh, God's doing great things at Christian Harbor Church. Amen. Can we give him one more real good hand? Last week, we did some digging. Today, we're going to do some filling. I have a question for you today. Somebody nudge your neighbor and say, here comes the question. What does a greater life look like to you? Some of you in here may be dreaming about, praying about, hoping for a greater life. Some of you may be pursuing or working towards that greater life. For some of you, you may already be living your greater life. But for you personally, what does a greater life look like to you? So I want to tell you a true story from many years ago of a young man who was in his late teens. In his life, he had been through some things, and when he came to know the Lord, it was really life-changing for him. And so he got into church, he gave his life to Jesus, and he started serving. And as he did, he discovered that he had a gift and an anointing to sing. Anybody ever wonder what the difference is between a gift to sing and an anointing to sing? Like, I don't know, this is how I feel it is. So a gift to sing is when people love to hear you sing. An anointing to sing is when people who can't carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket think they can sing because of how you can sing. (laughs) So he joined up with a couple of guys in his church, and they started a group. They started singing in their church and traveling around. And one day, this young man gets a call from somebody in Nashville, Tennessee, to come and sing for them. They were looking for some new talent and one of the guys in the group had sent a tape in and they were interested in this young man particularly. And so uh, they invited them to come and sing for them. And this young man was so excited. How many here could get excited if somebody important, they had the ability to make you rich and famous, wanted to hear you do what you already love to do. And so They invited him to come, and he was so excited that he told them he would definitely come. He started getting ready to go. As it got closer, though, he began to feel God speaking to his heart. And the words that he heard going through his spirit was, if you do this, you will never fulfill what I have planned for your life. His heart sank because he really wanted to go. But he said he just knew that God was speaking to his heart. And so he had to tell his friends who were already packed and ready to go that he wasn't going. He had to call Nashville 
and tell these people who had already invested time and energy into him that he wasn't coming. And as you can imagine, everybody got really mad at him. Anybody ever of your friends get mad at you when you change your plans last minute? His friends got upset with him. The folks in Nashville got really upset with him. And they were like, don't you understand what a great opportunity this is? Like, are you crazy? Like, you could literally reach and impact millions of people this way. He said, I'm sorry. I can't. That's not my greater life. I want to do what God wants me to do. And so my question to you today is what does a greater life look like to you? Does it look more like Nashville or does it look more like Orville? The greater life is the one that God calls you to. That's the greater life we're talking about today. The one that God calls you to. And what I love about God's greater vision for your life is you can fulfill it while you're flipping burgers. You can fulfill God's greater for your life while you're cleaning Cheerios up off the high chair and the hardwood floor. You can fulfill greater while you're sending emails and attending meetings you don't want to be at or while you're writing term papers in your sweatpants or driving thousands of miles every year. This young man made a decision that wasn't popular, and even though many people have over the years second-guessed it, I wouldn't be standing here this morning if he hadn't. You wouldn't be sitting here this morning if he hadn't. This church would not exist if he had made the decision to say no to God and yes to Nashville. He wouldn't have 40 years of ministry behind him. His kids wouldn't all be in ministry. Many of them are pastors. He wouldn't have had the opportunity to literally see thousands of people come to Christ as a result of his yes to God. And through the process of it all, his music has still gone all throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico on the radio. And he's got to travel all over the entire eastern half of this country because he chose to bloom where he was planted and work the fields that he was called to. And now that work continues into the next generation greater because of what he said yes when it came to God. And as I was talking to him about this story, my dad, our founding pastor, told me, he said, I have some regrets in my life. There are some things I would do differently, but I have never regretted that decision. I am perfectly content with the life God has given me. All right. Hashtag life goals, everybody. <laughs> Hashtag legacy. I want to be able to say that at the end of my life or even toward the end. As I get into the later years, I want to be uh, so thankful about what I'm building and so grateful about what God has done. So this is what I've learned from my dad. Greater is not about what we do for God. It's about what we say to God, yes or no. In the scripture, 2 Kings chapter 4 is where we're going to read from today. We're just going to read a few verses. In 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who you served is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. And now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? 
Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it is filled. And so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Wouldn't you like to be able to live on what's left over today? Right? Like I've read stories about uh, men like J.C. Penney and R.G. Letourneau who in their lifetime, they were giving away 90% of their income and living off of 10%. Y'all, I want to be that blessed. I want to be to that level where I can give more away than what I keep for myself. Amen? And I think sometimes there's a temptation to think, man, if I was just at that level, if I was just that blessed, then I could be really effective for God. If I was just there, if I had that kind of money, then I could do something really significant for my family and for the kingdom of God. What I came today to tell you is this. It doesn't take all that. It doesn't take much. It just takes a little. That's the title of my message today that I want to share with you. Somebody say, it just takes a little. It just takes a little. little. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. And I hope that you'll find this message encouraging today as I share with you just a few things that I gleaned from the scriptures. So the first thing that I want you to do is think inside the box. Somebody say, think inside the box. So years ago, I was part of this corporate training exercise. They assigned our team a workstation, and they gave us some Legos to work with. And so they told us, they said, now we want you to challenge the current paradigms and think outside the box. Anybody ever been told to do that before? So our team, we threw the current processes straight out the window. We just, we had this like blueprint drawing of the workstation and we just threw all the processes out the window. We developed our ideas, we built the model and we made our presentation. And as we got up there and we made our presentation, we were so excited. We were getting time in front of the CEO of the company and we just knew we were gonna blow the doors off this thing and impress the big guy in charge. And so we finish our presentation, the CEO takes one look at us and he says, that'll never work. I'm like, wait a minute, you just spent, you invested two hours telling us to think outside the box and challenge the current paradigms. Like we just went completely crazy with this and we've got some great ideas and all you can say is that'll never work? And it was so frustrating. No explanation, no direction, just that'll never work. The frustrating thing about trying to think outside the box is this, everyone has a box. Every situation has a box. 
And thinking outside the box doesn't make the box go away. It just frustrates you because you are still very much in the box with no practical way to implement your ideas. And so I left there that day. We had spent an entire day. We all got paid for being in the room. They fed us lunch. They had managers who were in there, and their only job that day was to pour into us, and we were trying to find some practical solutions. But what came out of that very expensive training exercise was a fat lot of nothing but some wishful thinking with no practical solutions. And that is super frustrating. But I think we do that a lot to ourselves. I think we do it a lot to ourselves when we start thinking about what we would do if we had the money, but you ain't got the money. When we start thinking about what we could do if our kids were just a little bit older, but they are where they are. When we start thinking about how your business would grow if you had more resources, but you have what you have. And so sometimes it can be really uh, frustrating when you're trying to think outside the box, but you keep coming back to face reality of the situation where you're at. And I want to think outside the box, but I'm stuck in the box. In the story, I find it interesting that Elisha flips his question. I don't know if you caught that as we were reading the scripture, but in the passage, he asked the lady, he says, how can I help you? And before she can even answer, he changes the question and he says, what do you have in your house already? So he starts to ask, what can I do for you? But then he changes it to what do you have to work with? And so right here, I want to encourage you to take a moment and embrace your limitations. Isn't this good so far? Think inside the box and embrace your limitations. This is so empowering, Pastor. I'm so glad I came to church today. But I want you to stop seeing your limitations as an obstacle. And I want you to stop seeing them as the barrier to your greater life. And I want you to start seeing your limitations as your vehicle to get to where God is taking you. Your limitations, your situation, your box, as it were, is not meant to keep you confined. It's meant to give you the boundaries within uh, God is going to work and how he wants to do what he wants to do in your life. And your box ain't the same as everybody else's box. How many people in here got a package from Amazon this week? See? I know where we shop. Amazon. That's where this box is from. And some of the boxes we got are way bigger than this. This week, my daughter got one that had a mattress in it. I had to really haul that thing in off the porch. I'm like, good luck with that. I didn't bring that one, buddy. I brought this one. Your box might be smaller than somebody else's box. It might not be the same shape as somebody else's box. It might be a different color than somebody else's box. Your box isn't going to contain what somebody else's box contains, right? But it is your box. And it's the box that God has given you to work with. The first thing that she says is she says, I, nothing, I have nothing to work with. Have you ever felt like that? Like I'm trying to do better, but I don't have anything to work with. And then she says, well, except I've got a little oil in my box. 
except I've got this little flask of oil. And I want to let you know today that God can do exceptional things with your exceptions. I know we're looking for God to use our great talents. I know we're looking for God to use the things that we're comfortable with. What if God wants to use your exception to take you from where you're at right now into the place that he's called you? What if God wants to use your exception to take you from a place of not enough or good enough to your place of greater for your life? We often excuse ourselves from God's greater vision in our lives because of our perception that what we already have in the box just isn't enough. We don't have the right training or education. We don't have the right family support. We're socially awkward. We don't have the right experience or background. We don't have what we think we need to get from here to there. But can I tell you today that it is the devil, somebody say the devil, is the one who wants to keep you focused on what you don't have, but God is the one who is willing to multiply what you already do have. And it's okay if you don't have a lot. The secret is it just takes a little. Somebody say it just takes a little. little. All right, you're still with me today. I want to challenge you today to change your mindset. I want to challenge you today to change the way you've been looking at your situation, change the way you've been seeing your box, change the way you've been seeing your business, your family, the situation you're going through. Just like Elisha flipped his question to the widow lady, I think some of us need to start flipping the questions that we're asking God. And instead of saying, God, why am I going through all of this? We ask instead, God, how can I help someone else? God, When are you going to fix my problem? And instead say, God, where can I serve while I'm waiting? And instead of saying, God, how long am I going to have to go through this situation? God, I'm right here and I'm going to worship and I'm going to serve and I'm going to give you thanks right where I'm at. I want to encourage you today to stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. It just takes a little. It don't take a whole lot. All it takes is just a little bit. So how much money do you have? I'm going to start with that, right? How much time do you have to give? I'm going to start with that, right? How can you grow with the resources you already have? Just start using that. What talents do you have that you can use for the kingdom? Start using those, right? I'm just going to start right where I'm at, and I'm going to start using what God has already given me. Here is a fact. God can only bless what you are willing to bring. Let me say it this way. God is never going to ask you to answer for what you do not have. God is never going to ask you to have to give account for something that he did not bless you with. But the scripture is plain that one day we are going to have to give account to the God who made us and gave us the giftings and the calling and the purpose that we have. So I would say whatever he did give you, whatever you have, start pouring it out now. And give God whatever you already have. It's real easy for us if we're not careful to fall into the if-then mindset. 
And the if-then mindset is something that says this. It says, if my situation was only like this, then I could be successful. If I only had the talent that somebody else had, then I could be good at something. If I only had the ability to sing, then I could really serve God in church, right? If I only had more money, then I could sow in to my marriage and to my children. If only I was taller, thinner, and better looking, maybe people would stop swiping left on my profile, <laughs> right? If only I had a little bit more time, to sow into my marriage, then maybe me and my spouse could be good. Maybe me and my kids could be good. If only I was able to do this, that, or the other, then everything would be good. If you're stuck in an if-then mindset today, I want to ask you to get an if-then reset. The if-then reset says, if I really needed it, God would have given it to me already. That if God wanted me to have that person, God would have already put them in my life. That if God wanted me to have that talent, he would have already given it to me. If, 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 God would have already done it. If I can tell you one of my personal ones from when I started pastoring. Actually, let me back up to when I first got in ministry. When I first started serving God, when I first come to the Lord, and I got into church, at that time it was a smaller church. And the frustrating thing was, if you didn't sing and you couldn't play an instrument, there was nowhere for you to serve. And so I got in the shower and I started working on my singing and I sounded great in my bathroom. <laughs> oh, buddy. Till I got married and found out I don't sound as good in the shower as I thought I did. And I was always thinking, man, if I could just sing, if I could just play an instrument, then I could serve God. And the fact of it is, that kind of mentality, Pastor Adam, that started to follow me around. And when I took over as pastoring, and I, I began to pastor, I was pastoring the church part-time, and at that time, I kept telling myself, if I was only full-time, then I could be effective. If I only had more time, more energy to give, then I could be more effective. Then I could do this, and then I could do that. What I found out was when the whole situation changes, there's a whole new set of parameters. Now there's a whole new set of problems. And then I go full time, and I'm like, wow, if I only had more people around me to help me, if I only had more money to work with, if I only had this situation, if I only had that situation... Then I could be effective. Then it would be better. I want to encourage you, if you've got an if-then mindset, get an if-then reset. And what I want you to do this week is I want you to take whatever you have, and I just want you to start pouring. Maybe you ain't got a whole lot. Maybe you don't take that April. Maybe you can't rescue every at-risk kid in the world with what you have right now, but I can take five of them, and I can start pouring into them, and I can change their lives. Maybe I can't change the whole world, but I can change their world. Maybe right now I'm not big enough, old enough, strong enough, fast enough to make the team, but I can start pouring into extra practice time. I can start giving my best and have a great attitude. Maybe I'm not in position. I don't have the seniority or all the skills that I need to get the promotion, but I can come to work a little bit early every day. I can find out what's going on, and I can give my very best attitude to whatever I'm asked to do. Amen. Maybe I can't sing. 
But you know what? I can find somebody to give me some vocal lessons and I can learn how. Maybe I can't play guitar like I really want to. But you know what? I can start taking me some YouTube tutorial lessons and I can get better. Whatever it takes. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like, I'm just going to be real. I am not handy whatsoever. It is really hard for me to do anything. But my wife and I, one day, we got a new dishwasher and we pulled up a YouTube video and we hooked it up and it doesn't even leak. I just started pouring. I just start, I'm going to keep pouring. I'm going to... Come on, somebody. Somebody give God a good hand today. Maybe you're in the house today and you feel like, man, I really, I don't have a lot. Can I tell you this? You don't need a lot. Here's a fact. God will not stop giving you more until you stop pouring. So I want to encourage you to start pouring today, whatever that looks like for you. And you may be like, my gosh, seems like I've been pouring a long time. That's okay. Whatever you do, don't stop pouring. Just start pouring out whatever you have. I can't fix that relationship, but I can be friendly, right? I don't know how to fix the situation I'm in, but here's what I can do. I can encourage somebody else. I can make a meal for my neighbor who's sick. I can give a phone call to somebody who's a little discouraged. Whatever I do, I'm just going to start pouring out whatever I do have today. This is what Jesus did for you and me. Like the widow and her sons, we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. When I think about what Jesus did, I think about when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I think about how he did not, not only did he not want to do it, I don't know if any of you ever saw that movie, Passion of the Christ, but I never thought of it this way. And when he was in the garden, it depicts Satan in the garden with him saying, you can't do this. Can one person really save the whole world? Is one person really able to pay the penalty for all their sins? Romans 6 and 23 says that the wages or the cost of sin is death. And can I tell you, one day the enemy's coming to collect on the debt that you owe. One day the enemy is coming to take you into bondage for the debt that we owe. So what did Jesus do? Jesus poured out what he had. When he felt like he didn't have enough, he gave what he had. He gave his life, he gave his blood. He gave his best and he poured it out for you and me on the cross. All we have to do is pour out what he's already given us, our yes, our faith, simply willing to look and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I don't understand it, but I'm willing to say yes. I don't understand it all, but I'm willing to pour out whatever I have. Do you receive the word of God today? Amen. Can we stand all over the room?